0: There is a um, passage of scripture that I want us to look at this morning. You don't have an outline this morning, so you're just going to have to follow along. Maybe you have something to, uh, a blank sheet to, to write on. But if you look at uh, Exodus chapter 17, this is a story that uh, I'm sure many of us are familiar with and a, and a story that I appreciate as your senior pastor. Exodus chapter 17. Uh, Israel... The children of Israel are about to go to battle with the Amalekites. And, uh, and let me just read beginning with verse 8 of Exodus chapter 17. The Bible says this. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose us, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill, with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Moses needed help. As long as Moses' arms were raised, uh, Joshua, the children of Israel, prevailed. And I love that picture because it's descriptive of the church and the leadership of the church and the support of the church. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, demand upon A leader in a church. And uh, for many years, in fact, uh, it has been uh, consistent through most of Southern Baptist life that the primary style of church leadership has been senior pastor led and congregationally ruled. And up to about three and a half years ago, um that's the way our church operated and i would get alone with god and and uh i would god would uh show me what uh, where we needed to go as as a as a as a church i would i would go before the deacons share with them my thoughts uh, they were not a decision making body. Deacons are not a decision making body they are They are a sounding board, but they are there to help with the physical needs of the church to and assist the pastor. Um, but I would bounce ideas off of them, and then prayerfully, I would come before you and, and share what um, I thought God was leading us to do. And you would go yay or nay as to whether or not I heard correctly from God. <laughs> and that's how churches primarily operated in our Southern Baptist Convention. Well, I had some men in our church uh, over the last several years who were pushing me uh, to uh, to consider, seriously consider, an elder-led church. And so we went to Scripture. We went to Scripture as a as a select committee uh, in our church. And we were convinced that this was the direction, the style of government that uh, we needed to do- adopt uh, as a church congregation. So we wrote our bylaws and, and constitution, and uh, we selected men among us who would be uh, elders, who would serve alongside me and we were going to be, and we became an elder led church still congregationally ruled and so and that was one of the biggest blessings of my ministry life because God took all of that pressure that I felt on my shoulders and I was able to share it with some other godly men and uh, and it has worked well it's a bit more tedious but it's important that we work through issues together and we're going to be i'm going to be sharing with you an issue uh, again this morning but uh they they are one of my arms being held up and in fact if you look at this picture it's really the deacons who come underneath the elders and they are holding up our Arms to help uh, facilitate meet the the physical needs uh, of our church, and so that's where we have been for the last um, three and a half years. And uh, and this is a true biblical church government. Model in the New Testament. I've got several verses. I just want to point out to you, and you can write them down in your outline this morning, in your handout. Look at, look at Acts chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three. Because when we look at the idea of um, church leadership and elders, it's always plural. It's not singular. The church is not meant to be led by one individual. But a plurality of leaders. Acts 14:23 says, "And when they had appointed elders, circle the s for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord, in whom they believed." Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered of, considered worthy of double honor. And then Titus chapter 1 verse 5. Uh, Paul tells Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, that you might amend and what, amend what was defective and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. And so when it comes to the local church, the role of an elder is extremely important. Not only are they there to help with the administration of the church, but the elders are there to help with, approve of the vision, the direction, the focus priorities that the church is to have and in those focused priorities what are those programs going to be and what is going to be the timing of those programs that will get us to our intended destination get us help us accomplish our vision and in working together as an elder team, we have written into our um, bylaws that as elders, there must be unanimity among us before we bring anything to the church, we all have to be on one page. We may not agree on every dot and tittle okay but but we but we have to humble ourselves and say, you know, we are in agreement and we are going to support the vision of this church and we're going to help promote the vision of the church. And so I want to share with you a um, a practical current example that... Uh, we're, we're working through as elders this morning. Okay? And, uh, and many of you are already aware of, um, of what I'm about to share. I want you to know that as I share this morning, that the elders are fully informed about the hospital's interest in possibly purchasing, um, this piece of property. I know I know that you've heard about this, and it's created a lot of anxious thoughts on both sides of the issue, both for and against. And um, you know, I've 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 shared with the elders and with some other people that um, what people are not up on, they're usually down on. And for many of you here in this room, you're down on the idea right now because you're not up on it. You you don't know what's going on. And and frankly, there hasn't been a whole lot to share with you. And I'm not going to be sharing a whole lot this morning because we still don't have a whole lot of of details. But I I do want you to know that uh, this... This last Thursday, I had a I had a really good conversation with the administrator of the hospital, Jim, Jim. I want to say Jim Seaver. Is it pronounced Seaver or Suver? Suver. Okay. With Jim Suver and a couple of his uh, associates, uh, walked them through the building. They um, they liked what they they saw. They are looking uh, for a facility where they can do. Um, Medical provide medical education, and uh, this building fits their needs exactly for classroom space. Um, how this uh, how this uh, conversation originated? It originated on October the fourth. October the fourth was a bad month for me because I was gone a lot. But before I left that uh, first weekend in October, um, we were having a conversation, Rott and I were having a conversation with two of the employees of the hospital. The hospital uh, was, we had entertained the conversations. We had the conversation about the, the park in between us and Belisera, and they're wanting to participate in that. They think it's a great idea. But uh, beyond that, they were uh, really interested in contracting with our child development center. They have a huge need for extended care hours. Our child development center goes till six o 'clock in the evening, and then everything closes. Well, they have employees at the hospital that uh, need child care through nine, ten o 'clock at night and so they 're interested in extended care hours. Um, they were thinking of uh, building or uh, providing some modulars over there near Bellisera. And hoping to contract with the CDC under our license and ROTNA run the program at, a, at, at both locations. Uh, that's not easy to do, and I probably cannot fall underneath our, uh, our license at that point. Or uh, providing some more space inside this facility dedicated to extended care hours. You know, and as I've shared these thoughts about um, the hospital and purchasing this uh, piece of property, many of you have asked, well, what would happen to the CDC? Well, Jim had a conversation with Ratna this last week. And uh, Jim says he does not want to see the, he wants to see the CDC continue to be a faith-based ministry. And could still follow, follow, fall under our 501c3. That's all yet to be discussed more. But, uh, but that was Rodna's concern. She wanted to see th- this ministry to continue to be faith-based. And that was our, the elder's concern as well. So right now, Rodna is a very happy clam. Okay, concerning <laughs> that. <laughs> but, uh, so so these conversations have occurred uh recently and uh Jim was going to take the information that uh, as he as he looked at our building on Thursday and they had a uh, hospital board meeting Thursday night. I have no idea what what was talked about at their board meeting and um but uh, they are initiating an appraisal of of this property that they are going to bear the cost of uh, as we move forward a bit more now that conversation having occurred on October 4 you know um as they were talking to me about their need for Uh, more property and having to buy and the fact that they're landlocked. You know, I asked the question, well, have you considered our property? And they said, well, we didn't know it was for sale. And I said, it's not for sale, but for the right price it might be. And so they were very interested in that, and they went back to Jim, and Jim said, you know, that if the elders are interested in pursuing this conversation... Uh, then we can sit down. And so I went to the elders, that first meeting, shortly after the fourth. And to be honest with you, when I shared this with the elders, there weren't a whole lot of warm fuzzies in the room. (laughs) Okay? Because I go back to that statement. What you're not up on, you're down on. And so we talked, we talked about, possibilities, but you know, it was, it was really hard to, to move forward. Um, and so basically we left that conversation saying that we need more details. And so for the month of October, I've been very busy. Uh, we got together with, uh, the church staff. We talked about what our, if we were to build new, what would, what's, what rooms would we need? What are the number of rooms that we need? What are the kind of rooms that we need? Uh, we, uh, we, we need a dining hall. But beyond a dining hall, we need a gymnasium. Not just for this church, but for a manual Christian school. It's very expensive to rent the Kerr and we need a gymnasium. So we got together with our um, our architect engineer who we've talked about the retrofit of this building, gave him the list of all of our needs, including a list of what the school would need if the school was able to relocate to the 20 acres. Because I was very curious as to what the square footage uh, was going to be required, you know. If we if we were to relocate to the 20, we wouldn't be relocating with uh, the CDC. Their space would be here, but we still have um, those needs that uh, we need to be aware of as if we're to negotiate. And so he came back with a design. Uh, And it's just an example. And I I don't have it with us this morning, but uh, an example of what the 20 acres could look like. And based on our needs and the rooms and the seating capacity of the worship center, things of this nature, he came up with a church site plan of 57,000 square feet. This building is 60,000 square feet. So in essence, it's, it's replacement costs of this building. And then, with a the school on top of that, uh, the school would need another tw- would need twenty five thousand uh, square feet, and that would provide for all the needs of the school. Now, interesting, you know, if Donald Trump has his way with uh, school vouchers uh, in the days ahead, we're going to need a bigger Christian school because it's going to benefit Emmanuel Christian School. But that's topic for another conversation. But 57,000 square feet for the church, 25,000 square feet for the school. And I shared this uh, example of what the site plan could look like. And uh, the elders liked it, but they had far more questions than just what the site is going to look like. And here are the questions that we're having to answer we can bring that up on the screen. Did, did we got that? Okay. Oh, there we, there we are. Okay. Here are the questions elders are asking. What's our vision? We're not talking about the site plan, but we're talking about how are we going to... Um, Reach that vision. What are we going to look like? How are we going to get to the 20 acres? How is our current size going to support and justify a new build on 20 acres of land? Are we going to do anything differently? Who will manage the money for this relocation? Because that's going to be a lot of money to manage. And we want to spend it wisely. What would we do in the transition period? And what's the plan for getting the church on board? So as you can tell, I'm sleeping really well at night these days. (laughs) But those are excellent questions questions as elders that we need to answer. And so right now I am crafting the vision and a couple of more other elders are getting with me. They're critiquing this and clarifying this and uh, it's right now it's a five page document. <laughs> but I want I want the elders that I need to bring this to all of the elders. And who are our elders? Our elders are our um, uh, Rob Ostrom, he's our president of the corporation. Steve Fowler is our treasurer of the corporation. Jim Witham is our secretary. He makes a beautiful secretary. <laughs> um, Dwayne Steiner has uh, been our elder, but he has just now rotated off. And uh, Fred Henderson, whom we are ordaining uh, this morning, will be re- uh, replacing Dwayne Steiner and then um, Nathan Webb and myself. And we all have one vote each as an elder board, and we must be in unanimity. And these are excellent questions that will help me as your leader and as the leader of the elders to communicate clearly of what God would have us to do. And now the beauty of this conversation... It's not just about the 20 acres. You know, if if we don't sell to the hospital, we need to answer these questions as we go either into a retrofit of this facility or we build new out here in front of our building. Again, we're still looking at options. And the retrofit I, I, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, that's just one option. We're not convinced that that's what we need to do yet. But... And whatever we do, we need to answer these questions. And I need to answer these questions. Because I haven't led well. For the last several years, I've been frustrated about some things. And I've moaned and I've groaned, but I haven't done anything about it. But if we're going to be moving forward... It's going to require a paradigm shift in many ways. And that's what the elders we're trying to work through right now. So as... In answering those questions or in coming up with those questions that the elders have been asking, it's not that they're against... Uh, the conversation that we're having with the hospital right now. They're not. They just want to be able to lead well. And I want to be able to lead well. And praise God, they have come alongside me because they want the church to be successful and whom God wants us, wants us to be in the community of Ridgecrest. And so this requires... Biblically qualified leadership. When it comes to looking for elders, it's not about uh, professional accomplishments. That's not what qualifies people to serve as elders in the church. Paul clearly lays out in First Timothy the qualifications of being an elder. And so I want us to look there. Turn to First Timothy chapter three verses 1 through 7. Paul says this to Timothy. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well and with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. And I want you to know that I stand here before you this morning, church, with full confidence that your elders meet these qualifications. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we, they, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're not in this for themselves. They want to see Jesus lifted up. And they want to see people drawn to Christ. And so just a few of the differences between who an elder is and who a deacon is. What's the difference? I mean, if you look at, at those lists, he goes on to talk about the qualifications of a deacon in verses uh, 8 through 13. And as you read those, those lists, they look pretty similar but there 's just a couple couple of di- differences for an elder they can 't be new to the faith. There has to be some spiritual maturity, some depth um, there needs to be some spiritual maturity that 's been observed over over time and Through that observation, people have watched them teach. they are teachers. They're able to instruct others in the word of God. They're, they're good managers of the home, just like the deacon needs to be a good manager of a home. But as overseer, as an elder, they will be overseeing the affairs of the church, not just the administration, but the spiritual life of the church as well. And they must be good managers of their home. Otherwise, how can they manage the affairs of of the church and and finally they need to have a good testimony a good reputation in the community that they might not fall into disgrace and harm the testimony of the church and so this morning fred henderson fulfills those qualifications this morning, uh, the elders and the deacons and all men who have been ordained uh, in, in the church are going to have the opportunity to come forward, and we're going to lay hands on both Clyde and Fred this morning. Uh, laying hands on an individual has uh, has happened throughout the history of the church. This is a biblical thing. As we lay hands on these individuals, we are declaring to you all and and, uh, affirming to them that the church sees and is confident that uh, God's call is upon their life. And, um, And we will be asking for God's Holy Spirit to bless these individuals as they fulfill the call that God has given them. We'll be ordaining Clyde this morning as a chaplain. Clyde's already been ordained as a deacon in our church, but uh, Clyde has taken it upon himself, and he's been a huge blessing to the patients in uh, Ridgecrest Hospital and Bellicera. As he's been performing that duty, he uh, approached me and asked, uh, Pastor, would it be okay if... Um, if I was ordained a chaplain of this church, so that, so I could have the affirmation of the elders and the and the body as uh, I represent Emmanuel and the Lord Jesus Christ, and I thought that was a great idea, and uh, so grateful for clyde 's service, and so we are going to be laying hands on Clyde this morning, and so um, I want us to go into a season of prayer and. I thank you for this time of prayer as we've set these two men aside for your service. And, uh, Lord, I pray that as Fred comes on the elder team and as Dwayne is rotating off, uh, Lord, it's going to be a different chemistry. But uh, we all still have the same affections and the same passions. And uh, so help us to communicate... Um, to to be able to speak speak our mind, our concerns in in love, help us to hear uh, each other. Help us as elders to hear the um, the anxious thoughts of the church congregation, and that that Lord that uh, they could have full confidence that we have um, yours and and their best interests at heart. Lord, we just want to see the kingdom move forward. We want to see people reach to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ um, at all different kinds of ages. And Lord, we pray for Clyde as he um, represents us at the hospital, uh, Bellicera, High Desert Haven. God, you, he understands the season of life that that people who are going going through at uh, the end of life, because he's been there himself with his wife. And uh, Lord, we just pray for those gospel conversations that that will occur, and that people will uh, uh, settle uh, settle their account with you, Lord, and have that hope that only Jesus can provide of uh, eternal life with you. And so use Clyde, uh, Clyde in, in special ways. But thank you Father again for this time that we've had together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.